Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которые очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество, все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, Пропитай нас Духом Твоим Святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. And so before we together begin to submerge into the depths of our imperishable inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So that we, as the participants of the body of Christ, would share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we will continue our study of our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth within our heart, revealing what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.22-24 that you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts be made new by the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness and so in order to fulfill this given commandment as we know we need to use three destiny affecting commanding and fundamental acts these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts, put off, be renewed, and put on, that will determine whether we transform ourselves into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the achieving of our salvation stand or happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or investment, or will we lose it forever, which will then result in our names being forever 
forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. In a particular format, we have already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we have already looked at a series of parables and events which we have become familiar with. The condition fulfilling this, we by the name of God El Elyon, or the name of the Most High, can destroy the stronghold of death in our body. This is the governing in us sin that identifies the essence of our old person with his deeds, so that with noise and forever we can thrust him out from within our body into hell with noise. And afterwards we can erect the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life, in the place of the stronghold of death, within our body, and stop to study the next condition. This condition is found in the allegory of the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and authority that he alone has, reveals the demands on the basis of which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High. And this condition consists in the circumstances of our hardship. When we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart, saying, who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are in God in Christ Jesus, and what do we need to do in order to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. The given allegory is one of the most powerful and all-capturing examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David and God Most High and their violent conflict with the carnal mind in the form of King Saul and the governing sin in the form of our old person with his deeds who supports our carnal mind. In other words, in our body there is a battle happening between three kings in order to possess our body. It is the confession of the faith of our hearts, saying who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are to God in Christ Jesus. God can receive the legitimate grounds to join the battle for our mortal body so that he can shame the governing sin that is our old person that is in our mortal body by the power of his redemption and thrust him out with noise forever into hell. In its character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of legitimate prayer for kings, priests, and prophets. First, part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer, belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. Second, part opens up the consistency of the legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver David from the hands of all of his enemies. The third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way, which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. In the previous services, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of the legitimate prayer itself. We studied this in the eight names of God Most High. 
Knowing and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies. And for God, knowing and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names in the heart of David and our heart as well, provided God the right foundation so that he can use the power of the abilities that are in his name to battle against the enemies of David. What we confess the fruit of our mouth, the faith of our heart, God uh, uses to battle with for our earthly bodies. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I have been saved from my enemies. These eight names of God. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord my rock in whom I take refuge. The Lord my shield. Even if we had studied these eight names and began to proclaim them, Lord, you are my strength, my fortress, my deliverer, my shield. You are the rock in whom I take refuge. When you begin to say who God is for you, then he receives the proper foundation to be able to show that he truly is those things for you. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, studying the power of four of the names of God, my strength, my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. And that we have stopped to study our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, studying the name of God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. The name rock, identifying the nature of the Most High and the character of His word in Hebrew contains the following unearthly virtues. First, a sharp end or edge of a cliff, a stone, a stone defense, blood, the shadow of a cliff, victorious, elephant tusk, elephant ivory, eternal governing, the promise of imperishable food, the comfort of peace. We will remember that the existing nature of prayer where David confesses his lot contained in the eight names of God Most High is a prayer that is made within the boundaries of a covenant made with God because the number eight is a number of a covenant. Additionally, this prayer is a strategic teaching which is called to be the calling and mantle for kings, for priests and for prophets who are anointed to rule over their mortal body. And if a person that, if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to rule over his calling, this calling is our mortal body and to rule in the status of a king, priest and prophet, so that he can clothe into the virtue of a heavenly body, then this revelation will not be of any good or be not be purposeful to him. Therefore, the qualities and the lexicon provided to identify the name of God, Rock of Israel, as with the previous studied names of God, cannot be found in any dictionary of this world. The name of God, Rock of Israel, just as other names of God, contains the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom we together, by collaborating with the power contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, are called to receive the victorious ability to keep and increase our profit. We receive these profits by 
by investing the silver of our salvation that we have turned so we could profit. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man, it becomes vital for us to identify within each aspect of our existence, of our life, the role of God and the role of man. God will never ever fulfill our role. We often try to attempt to fulfill God's role, which is an abomination, and only because of our ignorance do we still continue. And for this purpose, just as we studied our lot in the previous names of God called to be the lot of our salvation, we have the necessity to study a following series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel? Second, what purpose in relation to achieving our salvation is our inherited lot called to accomplish in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What price do we need to pay in order to provide God a proper foundation to be our Rock of Israel? And by what uh, results do we determine that God is truly our Rock of Israel as it relates to the achieving of our calling? Not having clear and exhaustive answers to these questions that we are able to receive by being instructed in the faith, in the strict order in which the body of Christ functions, we will not have any ability to invest our silver, which is the guarantee of salvation that we possess. When I say strict order in which the body of Christ functions, this means that if a preacher takes this word and begins to say these words in their own church where the order of theocracy does not exist, there's an infrastructure rather of democracy, then this word will not work. He will first need to be able to or will need to present the entirety of the truth, the entire word of the truth, not just pieces and parts. It only works within God's specific order. For all of the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him amen, to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 We need to also keep in mind that if we study our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, but we study it as something separate from the faith of our heart and separate as from the confessions of our mouth, then we will immediately be going in the wrong direction. Because God, in all of His powerful and unchanging names, is the lot of lot of inheritance only within the boundaries of the spirit, soul, and body of each person that belongs to the category of the chosen by him remnant. Not every body of a holy person is built into the temple of the Holy Spirit, and not every person that is born from God uh, is a light to the world. If he is just an infant, then his light is as darkness. When he created the world, he said, let there be light. A person that is born from God has this light, but this light in him is darkness, and for himself and for those around him. Only on the fourth day, when the sun and moon and stars were created, did the true light appear that would be able to uh, direct the earth. And so this light, when he's an infant, a person is an infant, he is not able to govern himself or rule over himself because he's still ignorant, he still doesn't know how or what, he is easily uh, deceived and strayed away by different kinds of teachings, especially prophecies. 
that he prefers over the Holy Scriptures. And before receiving the right to the power to confess your inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, as an element of the faith of your heart, it is necessary to be clothed into the mantle of a student of Christ. As only the soil of the heart of a student that is prepared to receive the seed of the planted word and grow the seed in order to demonstrate your power in the fruit of righteousness, demonstrated injustice. And so a person does this within his body. And we will remember that only a person who thirsts to hear the word of God, studies this word, lives by this word, abides or continues in this word, and the word of God abides in him, is able to stand in battle against the ancient serpent and escape the deceiving nets and traps of the devil in order to inherit the salvation of his body by the redemption of Christ. We have already studied the essence of the first two questions in the previous services, so we will turn our attention to question three. This is the condition that gives the Holy Spirit the right foundation to lead us into the inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. What price do we need to pay in order to provide God a proper foundation to be our Rock of Israel? First component of the price that I want to focus upon today, called to give God the proper foundation to be our Rock, consists in our, in our decision to heed the commandments of the Lord, which will give us the power to come out of Babylon. We know that a Babylon lives in each person and also in churches as well. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have also been like sand and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans. With a voice of singing, declare, proclaim this, utter it to the ends of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob, and they did not thirst when he led them through the desert. He caused the waters to flow from the rock for them. He also split the rock and the waters gushed out. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Isaiah 48, 18-22 And so according to this given allegory, the right to the power to inherit the lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, consists in the price to come out of Babylon, who is trying to take the place of God within our heart and within our midst. Being within the boundaries of the authority of Babylon, we become hostages of its great wickedness and lose our right to the power to inherit the lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. And if we run from Babylon, but do not free ourselves of its power and its influence over our mind and our will, God will mourn us as he had mourned for the fallen angel in his time, and after that he will forever blot us out of his heart and will vomit us out of his mouth. He will forget him as if he never existed. Zechariah 2, 6, 7 Up, up, flee from the land of the north, says the Lord. This up, up is if someone is shouting from afar and saying, rise, go, God is directing that toward us, to our heart, to our churches, flee from the land of the north, says the Lord, for I have spread you abroad like the four winds of heaven, says the Lord. 
Up Zion, escape you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon, Zechariah 2, 6, 7. And there are a lot of places like this about Babylon, beginning with the book of Genesis and ending with the book of Revelations. Relevant to this, we will need to answer four questions. How does Scripture identify and characterize the mystery of Babylon within our heart and within our churches and gatherings? For what reason does the daughter of Zion, as the chosen by God remnant, end up being hostage of the daughter of Babylon? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to receive the right to become free from the authority and dependence of Babylon? By what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we have become free from the authority and dependence of Babylon over ourselves. Considering that Babylon is contrary in the in Scripture to the grace of God, we can enter the inheritance of the grace of God when we run from Babylon and we become, become free of its authority. Let's look at the first question. How does Scripture identify and characterize the mystery of Babylon within our heart and within our churches as well? Running or fleeing from Babylon is the price we need to pay in order to enter into the lot of the grace of God and in part into the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel. We need to consider that everything in this world, including the grace of God, has its own price. However, is taught by religious leaders with tolerant mentalities as a gracious gift that does not require something in return. These unfortunate, ignorant individuals should remember and keep in mind that free cheese only exists in a mousetrap. And so it is not just a gracious gift that does not require a price. This, and in order to enthrone the grace of God within our heart, it is necessary to pay the price of running from Babylon, which we will be studying in familiar terms but in a unique form or a unique angle. <clears throat> First, denying your nation, which includes denying your denomination, which mixes God's revelations with the ideas of the human mind in their teachings. Second, denying the house of your father, who belonged to such a denomination, and therefore is a carrier who mixes God's revelations with the ideas of the human mind in their teachings. Third, denying your fleshly life, that is, as it is, always mixes God's revelations with the ideas of the human mind. Otherwise, the guarantee of justification that we have received freely by grace will never be able to convert into profit of the fruit of righteousness, which has become our own, which is eternal life. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 5.21. And so grace, righteousness, can reign in the heart, can, and so righteousness to eternal life, sin reigns to death because a person disobeys the commandments of the Lord. At the same time, grace takes the throne in the heart of man when a person obeys the commandments of the Lord. Obeying the commandments of the Lord is as ascribed according to Scripture to the fruits of our righteousness, by the means of which the grace of God receives the proper foundation to take the throne within our heart.
The professional trick of the devil is to pull or rip out from the general context of Scripture a specific place of Scripture in order to give it a meaning or an appearance that you don't need to pay any price for it. For example, in order to claim that we don't have to pay any price for the gift of the grace of God and it governing within us, they bring forth the following place of Scripture, Romans 3.21-26. through 26. Let's read it. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propriation by His blood through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sin that were previously committed. They use this place again to uh, say that the righteousness of God is given freely, and that's where they stop with that. Now pay attention to two phrases that we just read, which indicate the price in order to receive justification freely by grace, that they intentionally pervert as they do all of the rest of Scripture. The first phrase, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith which means that the price for righteousness is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. We need to demonstrate that obedience to God's commandment. And so when you become obedient, that is a price that you are paying. It's a great price that an infant in Christ does not pay. In other words, in order for the grace of God by the righteousness of faith to take governance within our heart, it is necessary to demonstrate the price which consists of the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, laid out in Scripture in the preached word and the, of the apostles and the prophets. If these ignorant only knew that the faith of God is the word of God, which are the commandments and statutes of the Lord, our faith is obedience to the commandments and statutes of the Lord, then they would not or would stop being ignorant. If they only understood what the faith of God was and the faith of man was, then they would stop be being so ignorant. The entire problem is that the essence of ignorance is a conscious refusal to see or to understand and instead choosing the interpretations of their intellect. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They're not ignorant because they're guiltless. They're ignorant because they refu refuse the truth. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children, meaning those things that are in your heart as well. Hosea 4.6 In order to confirm the concept that cheese can only be free in a mousetrap of the devil, we will pay attention to another place of scripture where the grace of God is presented in a price which is the virtue of a student of Christ, which is the garment of righteousness. Here it's talking about Christ. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, and his own life also, 
He cannot be my disciple, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, 25 through 27. You see what a great price here. How we need to forget our nationality, we forget the house of my father, forget my fleshly preferences that may not be sin. We can conclude from this that the, the price for learning is to deny your fleshly life in order to obtain eternal life. And now let us look at the symbol of Babylon, which appears on the first pages of the book of Genesis and is linked to the name Nimrod. He is the one who built Babylon. And as the builder of Babylon, he also built the Tower of Babel. He named the tower a temple and he named himself a god who was worshipped and sacrificed to in this tower by the people in his time. In the book of Revelations, we see the spoken verdict over Babylon and condemning it to hell. The genealogy of Nimrod who built Babylon, he is the descendant of Ham from his firstborn son, Cush. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizram, Put, and Canaan. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalnei in the land of Shinar. He himself had created this kingdom, he built these things. The name Nimrod means turning the nation against God. In this way, Nimrod became the first predecessor of the Antichrist. That is the person of sin and son of perdition presenting himself as God. Also with the name of Nimrod comes idol worshipping as well. When people deceived by the unusual authority of Nimrod over animals and unusual mind as a city builder and builder of the tower, they began to worship him as their God. First, the name Babylon is linked to the meaning mixing and scattering. Second, the name Babylon means the gates of heaven, indicating the high tower having the appearance of the ziggurat named a temple which became the symbol of the city and the confessed in the city new religion. Therefore, the Tower of Babel and the city itself became an incarnation of the mighty power that is an, ab an abomination to God and is against God. The reason for such might, which darkened the might and power of God in the people living during Nimrod's time, is Nimrod's mixing of God's truth with the ideas of his intellect. He, like the fallen cherubim, ascribed the revelation virtues of God to his intellect and the faults of his pride he ascribed to God. In the past, the union of the sons of God with the daughters of men, God judged with the waters of the flood, but he saved the family of the righteous and upright Noah. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said, In his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done, while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Genesis 8, 20 through 22. Due to the covenant that God made from uh, with Noah and with his earth, 
Babylon, which are religious churches that mix God's revelations with the products of the human intellect, uh, were met with terrible results. Therefore, the fulfillment of the verdict over Babylon, which are the called, God will accomplish this when the chosen by him remnant obeying his voice will come out from Babylon to meet the coming groom by by joining the wise virgin who possesses the virtue of a narrow gate. And when the chosen by God remnant who are in the rank of warriors in prayer will be clothed that twilight into the pearl nacre of immortality, then the time will come to fulfill the verdict judgment over Babylon, after which God will call his bride to himself to meet with her in the air and then he will increase the level of wrath that is poured out upon the daughters of Babylon who sit upon the scarlet beast. Second, for what reason does the daughter of Zion as the chosen by God remnant end up being a hostage of the daughter of Babylon? We need to consider that currently the category of the chosen by God remnant for specific reasons and until a specific time will be bound to the category of the called as the weed is bound to the weeds growing with her upon the same field. And so that is how she ended up as as a hostage in Babylon. And because she is bound to the category of the called, sin will be inputted to her where the category of the called is. And so when uh, one is bound to the other, God sees the sin upon all. And the sin demonstrates itself in the legalization of sin or breaking the commandments of the Lord by mixing God's revelations with the product of the human intellect. The phrase, oh, that you had heeded my commandments, shows the reason for not obeying the commandments of the Lord, which is why the daughter of Zion ended up being a hostage of Babylon. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. That means she wasn't heeding them, which is why she ended up being a hostage. Therefore, he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on young men or virgin, on the aged or the weak. He gave them all into his hands. And all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasuries of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his leaders, all these he took to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fire, and destroyed all its precious possessions. And those those who escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the words of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land end and enjoyed her Sabbaths as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbaths to fulfill seventy years. Second uh, Chronicles thirty six, seventeen through twenty one. It is evident that the main violation of the commandments of the Lord, the mixture of the revelations of God with the product of the intellect of man, is forsaking the commandments of the Lord when it comes to livestock, when it comes to your field, and when it comes to your garments. You shall keep my statutes, you shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed, nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. Leviticus 19.19 Here, the mixture of the things of God with the intellectual ideas of man. 
To allow your livestock to breed with another kind, to sow your field with mixed seed and to clothe into garments that are mixed, linen and wool means to mix the clean with the unclean and the holy with the unholy, which upon practice means to blur out the boundaries of what is allowed or permitted, in other words, legalize sin and to call evil good and to call darkness light, which means to mix the product of, product of the human intellect with the revelations of the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in our heart. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man, Isaiah 5, 20-23. The hearth of Babylon, where the leaders and teachers are forged, are Nimrods, are Nimrods who produce theological institutions, where they provide their teacher degrees of men of knowledge, magistrates, and doctors of theology. Almost in all countries of the world, with the exception of some wild tribes, these degrees are considered as something special or, re or uh, relevant. God never intended to create spiritual institutions and colleges. He created His church. And this is where she needed to apprehend everything, not separately in a college. And I say this according to God's Word, the revelation of the Holy Spirit, that all of these great uh, theologians that uh, create these kinds of things, they're going to be very much punished by God for these things. It's not colleges of theology that need to reveal the truth, but the churches through sermon that God has wanted. And it's for all and not just some people. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Here, the captivity of Babylon. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. The time of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ as a guarantee of our rapture in the time of dawn, the rising sun of righteousness, a voice will sound from heaven, according to the words of God's delegated one, that says, come out from your, from my nation, or come out from her, uh, from the nation of Babylon, so you do not take part in her sins and not perish with her. After these things, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory.
And he carried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage of every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out from her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her work. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. Revelations 18, 1 through 6. And so the time of coming out of Babylon has come. The time of coming out of Babylon has come. Third question, what conditions do we need to fulfill in order to receive the right to become free of the authority and dependence of Babylon? Which means, practically means, what conditions do we need to fulfill so that God received the proper foundation to erect the rock within our heart from which he will pour water for us? It is specifically the inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, that is called to deliver us from the authority of Babylon and from her bitter waters of death in order to give us sweet water of life. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5. It is to these few that these words are addressed, flee from Babylon. If you are in a church that matches what prophet Isaiah describes here woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter woe to those who are wise in their own eyes run from such a Babylon so that you do not participate in her sins and not share with her in her plagues it is not enough to call evil good and good evil it is necessary to separate yourself from such people who do not have any any part to the virtue of Zion. And you'll say, why didn't you say that, you may ask, why didn't you say this previously? I didn't say this before because it wasn't time, but I'm saying this now because it is time. Before you go into a church, clarify whether there's a structure of theocracy within that church, wherever you go and then decide whether you want to go there. The phrase, oh, that you had heeded my commandments, means attentively listen to the person that is sent by God who represents the mysteries of God's revelations contained in the commandments of the Lord and be ready to strictly fulfill the conditions of that heard word. We can conclude that if a person coming into the house of God, of God or the Lord, which is the church of Jesus Christ, has not prepared his heart to listen to the word of God, his name will be blotted out before the Lord. We need to keep in mind that one of the things to consider when it comes to listening to the word of God is the fact that not every religious denomination or church calling itself the church of Jesus Christ is truly the church of Jesus Christ. The gathering of Babylon calls itself the Church of Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, before preparing your heart to listen to the Word of God, it is necessary to differentiate the Babylon and Zion so we know where we need to run in order to prepare our heart to listen to the Word of God. For example, talking to His church, God says, I know your works, tribulations, and poverty but you are rich, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Revelations 2.9 And as we have talked about more than once, we pay attention to the fact that seeking and finding a true Church of Christ is very important as the narrow gate, as in the one and the other case, a person who finds a good wife, as these narrow gates receives the right to the power to enter into the grace of God. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 18.22 It's talking about such a church, not a specific wife. It's uh, This is a proverb. It's, we know that when it's saying wife, it's talking about a church. And when a person gets married, even if the sister's super spiritual for real, she he can't receive grace through her he receives grace we receive grace through the church in jesus christ because jesus by the holy spirit is only in such a church that carries the name of this good wife this favorable wife to find the narrow gate is to find revelation or to receive a revelation into your heart what church to go to and where the light of life is and finding such a church is not something many care about or are concerned for. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you, where are you from? Then he will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourself thrusted out. Luke 13, 23 through 28. In the given proverb, a parable, many churches, which means also many people, will perish, not only for the reason that they uh, did not seek what they needed to seek. The uh, good wife is upon one street of Jerusalem, not upon many streets, where every church says that she is exceptional. First, instead of seeking the, the salvation of their soul, they put all their effort, effort and means to save others. When they themselves have not grown into salvation, as they are convinced that they will get salvation because they save others. Second, instead of seeking their salvation and learn on the streets of the New Jerusalem, they learned on their own streets, mixing God's revelations with the interpretations of man and demons. Third, instead of paying the price for food that would be able to change their character into the character of the Holy Spirit, they paid the price for food that does not satisfy. First, separate, um, in order to find the narrow gate and to run from Babylon, 
that calls itself a Church of Christ, we already know the conditions we need to fulfill. We need to separate by the cross of the Lord Jesus from our nation. This includes our denominations that mix human interpretations with God's from the house of your father who belongs to this de- these denominations and from the corrupt desires of our soul that mix the products of the mind with God's revelations. Second, uniting with the good wife, you receive into your good soil of the heart the instruction of faith, the seed of the elementary teaching of Christ. Third, accepting the Holy Spirit into your heart as the Lord and Master of your life so you can be led by the Holy Spirit. And fourth, with patience, wait for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, where our mortal body will be clothed into the pearl nacre of immortality, which is the resurrection of Christ. Fourth question, by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we have become free from the authority and dependence of Babylon over ourselves? Or how do we examine ourselves that our heart that is split, as a rock is split, will pour out these living waters as this uh, pearl nacre that clothes us into immortality. The living water within our heart will be in this way. The peace would will be like a river that's in our heart will be like a river, a righteousness like the waves of the sea, our descendants will also be like the sand and the offspring of our body like the grain of sand and our name will not be cut off nor be destroyed from before God our heart that is split or a split as a split rock pouring out these waters will have this river of water that will flow from our heart for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is holy I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones the water that flows from the rock of our opened heart this is the first component the water that flows from our from the rock of our opened heart will be within our heart as peace that will flow like a river. The river that flows from our split heart, we need to see here the work of the Holy Spirit that we have received as the Lord and Master of our life by being obedient to the preached word within the good wife. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those who believe in him would receive. So these are those that would uh, believe in him in the future, it's referring to, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified, John 7, 37 through 39. The result of such work within our heart is the tree of life that will bear fruit 12 times, giving its fruit each month and leaves for the healing of the nations. And 
And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This will be as in us and also within the church, in the middle of its street and on, not streets, but the middle of its street. There's one street, the street of Jerusalem, the good wife. The narrow gate and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore 12 fruits each tree yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations revelations 22 1 through 2 examining ourselves as to whether we have the tree of life that grows on the one another side of the river we can determine by, by our gentle or wholesome tongue a wholesome tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks the spirit proverbs 15 4 and so if you're able to restrain your tongue then you're able to rule over your body which means you have the tree of life in you because a wholesome tongue the tree of life is an inner state and a gentle mouth is a demonstration of the fact that you have this inner state the tree of life it says about Moses that he was the most humble person on the earth. He was one that restrained his wrath, restrained his personal opinions, his words, waiting uh, for what God will say about it. The second sign, the water that flows from the rock of our opened or split open heart, it was split by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, will demonstrate the righteousness of God that will be as the ways of the sea. I studied the movement of the waves of the sea and in short will show what this is like. The movement of the waves of the sea identified the life energy of the seas and oceans, identified the nature of life itself. In such words, life is movement. Something that doesn't, that doesn't move is death. And so the upper part of the ocean as we know are waves uh, that there's waves and they uh, waves sometimes can reach hundreds of meters and they pretty much uh, collide because of the winds and because of the waters coming together and so the water masses in the oceans they char characterize uh, uh, speed and again could be many thousands of meters and there could be uh, hundreds of meters deep and at the top of the ocean there, uh, uh, there's waves and at the bottom of the oceans it's quiet and peaceful and so because of the flowing water both under and above uh, is why the waves occur and so the way that they affect uh, life in the sea these waves uh, is the same way that our blood moves within our body and affects our body and because the blood moves it continues to give us life the oceans uh, waves also uh, contain the life in it and so when it says your righteousness will be as the ocean uh, waves when we perform righteousness then as these sea waves it will keep within our essence then the power of God 
And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still holy still and behold I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work Revelation 22 10 through 12 the third sign water that flows from our split open heart as a split rock will be our descendants that will be as the sand and so the sand are living minerals and they form because of uh, rocks and other things that are destroyed by, uh, by wind and other things. And so sand is minerals that are called grains also within our heart as the seed and as the seed of the word and the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which I which you see I give to you and your descendants forever, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. We know that every grain are a living seed. They call often grains also, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants are also, they also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent, his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Genesis 13, 14 through 18. It's important to understand that we will begin to see the seed of promise. In the Bible, they say there's about 3,000 promises, and it says there, can you count the uh, grains of sand? Then you will be able to count how many promises, how many children you will have, how many descendants you will have. How many promises that God truly has is they they can't be numbered, and so when in these colleges they make determinations as they do, they get that kind of education they do. Then they do not acknowledge God's revelation, but only try to force their own. Because today, in many of these colleges, the Son of God. It's not God, he's just the son of man. That is what they say. Fourth sign, uh, the water that flows from our open heart as a rock will be offspring of our body like the grains of sand. And so according to this, the symbol of these grains again of sand is a symbol of the promises that are preached to us, that we sow within our heart. These are the words of God that we sow into our heart. And uh, 
we receive them from someone who's delegated from God. We, we take these words, we plant them and proclaim them with our mouth. Then they become these grains of sand as it's listed here. They become as offspring. These are promises then that are born from our entrails. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. The mixture of the things of God and the things of man are the evil treasure. And only an evil person can bring forth these kinds of evil treasures, mixing the things of God, the revelations of God, with the ideas of man, and we see how they uh back this up or try to defend this saying well we have our own head why do we not have a head why do we need to consider only what you understand we each have our own mind and some even uh, started saying they have their own Bibles some of these unfortunately have become uh, mentally unstable unfortunately a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak they will give account of it in the day of judgment for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned Matthew 12 35-37 it's interesting that an idle word is that word that is not the faith of the heart but the product of our mind that we think is a revelation of the Holy Spirit. The revelation of the Holy Spirit will always be given from the one who sows the seed, but not some a conclusion that one may make just by reading the Bible or listen to other springs of information. People who study uh, who, who study information they think that I also take from uh, information that's just out there I may see or look at it for other purposes but only when it is necessary but I don't use the information one of the leaders called someone saying uh, and so people called me saying why is he not preaching about Christ he's preaching about the vaccine and so maybe you should ask Apostle Paul the same thing where he would or pro, uh, prophet Isaiah why is it that Isaiah instead of healing a person with laying his hands on him said take uh, plasters of figs and put them on your eyes. I'm telling you, I received a revelation about this vex, and that's why I said it. And so don't say that I made this statement because I listened to uh, news uh, on the television. I, if I don't receive something from above, I will not allow myself to say this in the church. And so those who say this, be, be afraid, uh, fear God. The fifth sign, the water that pours out from the uh, our split heart, which is as the stone, will be our name that will not be cut off nor destroyed from before him. This is 
the presence of God's promise in our heart that gives us the guarantee that our names will not be blotted out of the book of life. He who overcomes shall be clothed into white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelations 3, 5. What is this uh, victory that it's referring to? You were overcome. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, it says. By the word of their testimony and did not love their soul to the death or their life to the death. You need to know the teaching about the blood of Christ. The teaching about the blood only works when the cross of Christ has done its work. Only then does it become legitimate. If we will not separate ourselves from our nation, the house of our Father, from our corrupt desires, we come and we confess our, our sins, You'll be pro, it'll, it'll be said that you are forgiven in the name of Jesus, but the, uh, but the factory continues to produce, the old person continues to produce, and I understand that many people don't acknowledge that fact. I told my father-in-law, and I, I asked him, what about the character in us? He says, well, only the, the grave will fix that. And I said, no, only the cross of Christ. And as much as he sat in the church, he did not see, he could not understand. I see that he truly understands what he says. Uh, and I met with other people who consider themselves spiritual, and I grew up with them. And they also don't believe that in them, something evil lives. No, nothing evil lives in me. As I repented, I fell in love with Jesus and I have no old person within me, is what they say. Remember that if King David said, I was born in iniquity and in sin my mother bore me, it cannot be that our mother, having a mortal body, bore us pure she passed on to us this mortality and these things but you're saying that I repented and I don't have we by faith don't have the corruption in our body by faith if you've accepted into your heart that your new person has began to govern in your body and this uh, Mortality has put on immortality. God accounts this as righteousness and looks at you, looks at your body as immortal and clothed into this pearl maker. But even now, you need to thank God for this and say thank you that you have given to me an immortal body, that you've clothed me into this pearl maker of immortality. And all of this happens through suffering, and suffering happens when you separate, you die by in the death of the Lord Jesus for your nationality, for your nation, the house of your father, and your fleshly life. This is who will be clothed into white garments. White garments is the pearl. And that's how you can enter into the Jerusalem, into the tree of life, the pearl. And only then God says, I will blot out. And so when we receive this promise, with this promise, we receive a guarantee that our names will not be blotted out of the book of life. 
the church of God, God has loved us so much that He gave us the promise to be clothed into this pearl of immortality and you've already done this, you've accepted that into your heart and so you already have the guarantee that you will not be blotted out of the book of life and God confesses your names Jesus confesses these names before the Father and so according to this given promise the guarantee that our names will not be blotted out of the book of life or out of, or before God's face is the guarantee that we fulfill God's commandments and so the guarantee is that our body will be adopted by the redemption of Christ the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ is the erection within our body the stronghold of life that will happen with these mortal bodies and will make our state the state of our body immortal examining ourselves as to whether you have the fruit of righteousness in your heart as the fruit of promise that belongs to the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ can be we could uh, examine this by how we react toward lawlessness or our behavior toward lawlessness and as we know lawlessness does not work out of a programmable system the human heart is the carrier of lawlessness or righteousness but and you can't carry both simultaneously you either will will consider the one or consider the other I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot I could wish you were cold or hot so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot I will vomit you out of my mouth Revelation 3 15 16 I shall remind us what it is to be cold or hot to be cold is to be dead to sin to be hot is to be living for God to be lukewarm is to stand somewhere in the middle which out of balance as it were you stand but you don't know which way to turn you need to go one way or the other and so one gentleman had once said my friends we are with one foot into communism and so a woman responded saying and how long will we be standing in this in this very unstable place and so when we ask these individuals who have come out, out of these institu institutes, these uh, the theological institutes, they look at you also as fools, as it were, and they immediately label you as a deceiver, those that are sinners, and began to uh, ascribe all kinds of their, their own blemishes upon you, and they look their mirror when they look when they look at another person they see what they themselves are that person may not have those qualities those uh, things but they see that because that's who they are our mirror is the Word of God that is placed into our heart and that has bore fruit and when we look into that mirror then we are transformed into that 
we don't look at what how we are in flesh but how we are in spirit who God is for us in Jesus Christ uh, what he has done for us and who we are for him we are not called to look at our weaknesses our inabilities our fall every time we fall every time we look at our uh, falling we will transform into what we look at which is whatever may happen however you may fall and you will fall I've fallen many times, and I've said in disappointment, Lord, I am ashamed. I feel like my life is just a chain of falling constantly. But the Holy Spirit said that every one of the links in this chain is a victory. Every time you acknowledge your fall and you repent and you rise again, you hate sin, you acknowledge your sin, you're, a vic- you're victorious, and God accounts this to you as righteousness. He justifies you. He said, you will not perish. As soon as David said, I had sinned, and I need to die. But the prophet Nathan told him, you will not die, because God has ta- forgiven your sins. God removes the sins that are on you. When you don't hide them, you reveal them, you open them up. But the devil says, it's shameful, it's shameful. You know why he says this? Because it is going to be shameful to him because when you confess, you don't confess you, but the sin that's in you that has bound you, that have, has put you into the situation, you are actually holy and justified and pure. God looks at you like that and you need to understand that and acknowledge that and never ever agree with the devil, ever. Always the confession of sin is called, it has one purpose to justify you. Every time you judge yourself in your conscience, the purpose is for justification. That always needs to be the purpose to justify yourself. And when you judge yourself, God doesn't judge you. You have a pure conscience. You know that there's something wrong you did. And when you condemn that in yourself, the lost uh, backs away and doesn't. And don't fall in spirit saying again, again, and again did this. Don't say these things and take them back instead. For example, you said something wrong. It's hard to say, I'm sorry. But say, I'm sorry, I said this, and take take those words back, what you said. Take them back, literally. Or if you said something uh, just uh, simply and without thinking, you'll say, Lord, I, I don't want this. I take these words back, and God will not uh, see this as a sin because you've repented. Right now we're going to pray, and we will remember that I, re- I believe that many of you have already come out of Babylon. Some are still there, mixing the things that are of God, God's revelations, with some other springs. When I tell you something, and you suddenly see on TV a rabbi or someone else said something, leave those rabbis, leave the... You have a pastor that has told you the truth. Don't mix the things of the rabbi with the things of God because the rabbi will tell you and will tell you of the uh, rituals of his nation that 
were actually the rituals and, and, and customs of maybe the ancient world in general, like that of the groom and the bride, that was the whole world and not just Israel at the time, when uh, the groom would leave and then come back. But the rabbis uh, try to lift up their nationality, they just can't without that. They always think they are the smartest on the earth, and when they think that they are, you look at them and uh, as if he's very, he is intelligent, but he behaves the way he does. And so, for God, a Jew is only that person who is a foreigner, a stranger who have the faith of Abraham, and not those that are by flesh. Paul said directly, you are not Jews. Let us bend our knees or our heads and we will thank God for the opportunity to come out of Babylon maybe and possibly this word will reach a person somewhere else and he will realize he is in a church that is a Babylon pray within your heart and say Lord direct me uh, to the good wife the narrow gate so that I can run from this Babylon and go there because if you won't do this you will perish together with that Babylon. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bend my head together with your people upon this blessed place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your name and we thank you, I thank you with your nation, that you have made this place the narrow gate. This is the good wife. I thank you for that, together with your people, for your surprising word that we have received into our heart and that has become the guarantee of our rapture and the guarantee that you will never blot our name out of the book of life and the guarantee that you will deliver us from any trials that will come upon the world to test those on the earth. May your name be glorified in our state, in our confessions, in our thoughts, our behavior, our clothing, our relationship with one another. Teach us to be considerate of one another more and more, fit one another in, pray for one another, and bear the burden of one another. Be compassionate for one the other. Teach us to uproot from within our essence the works of the flesh, any kind of jealousy, any kind of pride. May this pride be destroyed, the old person, into, and be thrusted into hell. Although we have bound him in ourselves and have condemned him into a prison, he still is within our body which is why our body continues to be mortal 
and to be carnal. And this, this state of decay continues. But you will stop it and clothe us into the pearl nacre of our confessions that we within our sufferings in their tight situations when we are dying for our nation the house of our father and for the destructive desires of our soul you have made this confession as a pearl in which you will also clothe our mortal bodies I thank you for this revelation. May it be rooted in the hearts of your people and may it grow into the tree of life that bears fruit 12 times a year. Thank you that you have erected within our body the new Jerusalem. I thank you that the river of life flows there, the one and the other side their trees of life that grow and bear fruit and that the leaves of this tree heal the nations from sin and first of all they heal these nations which is ourselves first that are struck by sin that have this decay in them and so may all the cells of our body be healed in your name. Even now, before, we are clothed in literal sense into immortality, into this pearl. May your word begin to work and may it heal your people. Allow us to look with faith and proclaim that not existent as existent, although we may be ill, we may lose, we may suffer. But when we will see with our eyes who you are for us, what you've done for us, then joy will be in our heart and the peace will be as a river in our heart. We will be calm whatever may happen. And if we experience impatience in our life, if we are explosive, if we're frustrated, then this needs to warn us and put us on guard. That means there's no peace there. I thank you that you have made my heart peace and from it flow a river as these waves of the sea. I thank you that during any kind of misfortune peace doesn't leave me I am calm in you I thank you that I can look at the unseen and meditate about the imperishable may this be with every individual person that's yours that hears these words and may they be blessed before your face now and forever Amen our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.